What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Heated Rivals Podcast. I'm Zach Durkin, and joined with me today are my two compadres, Mr. Sean Robinson and my brother, Jordan Durkin. How's the start of everyone's weekend? Over here in New Jersey, it's pretty shitty. Got some snow, you know. Hope everyone else is nice, warm, and dry wherever they are. Sean, how are we feeling today? You get here safe? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks to you, you were able to come, uh, come scoop me because I was uh, snowed in. But you know, like you mentioned, Zach, there's been a lot. There's a lot that's been going on, honestly, within the last like what three hours since we've started hanging out. Uh, Tom Brady decided to retire and then unretire. Yeah. Big Ben retired a little bit earlier in the week. Uh, we'll talk about that a little later. So lots of things going on in the world of the NFL. We got the uh, conference championship games we got to talk about. But what I wanted to kick off this episode today with Mr. Durkin is something that's uh, kind of been bothering me. And for those of you who uh, are uh, a little new to this podcast, we do typically talk about baseball on here. It's been a while since we have, but... It would help if, you know, baseball was actually going on and the MLB would get off their asses and have a season, but whatever. We digress. We'll get into that a little later. But uh, the Hall of Fame voting was just released, and I do want to say congratulations to David Ortiz, uh, ex- ex-Red Sox, probably one of the top 10 best hitters of this generation, I'd say. Uh, definitely deserves to get in, but that's not my issue. My issue is the fact that probably the greatest hitter of all time, we can have that debate if you really want to, Barry Bonds fell off the ballot this year. Uh, Him and Roger Clemens did not receive at least 75% of the vote to maintain their stay on the ballot. And they, I guess, technically can no longer be voted into the Hall of Fame by the people who cover the sport. They would have to get in through the commissioner's ballot. Probably not going to get in there. But I just got to say, I I have a real problem with this. And I know we kind of talked about this, me and you, Zach, a little earlier on uh, in the car on the way over. The MLB's Hall of Fame is flawed. If you're going to tell me that the best hitter of all time and, you know, one of the best pitchers of all time and Roger Clemens are not going to get in. No, it's bullshit. I agree with you 100%. I feel like the MLB holds itself so high to a standard where they think they're holier than now. When in all reality, are they really? You know, Barry Bonds, like you said, one of the best hitters, arguably one of the best players of all time, is not going to get into the Hall of Fame because of something that he did, Meanwhile, or didn't do. Meanwhile, David Ortiz, who actually tested positive on a drug test, got in. No questions asked. Listen, it's like they want to pick and choose who gets in and... I'm all for, you know, if you want to keep all of those guys, you know, the quote-unquote PED guys, out of the hall, then keep all of them out. You know what I'm saying? But I think my issue with the MLB is a little bit bigger because, you know, a sports hall of fame is supposed to be a celebration of that that sports history. You know what I'm saying? Where the average fan can go read a couple of busts that are hang uh, that are on the walls over there and learn about, you know, the sport and what that sport meant to American culture. You cannot tell the story of Major League Baseball without Barry Bonds and to, you know, probably a lesser extent, Roger Clemens. Uh, 
Roger Clemens is a great pitcher in his own right, but Barry Bonds was just fucking phenomenal. Yeah, the MLB was down and out before the quote-unquote steroid era came in, and they kind of rode Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco, Sammy Sosa, all these guys, and now they kind of want to act like they just didn't exist in MLB's history because of the look it's getting. Like, come on, that's that's Bush League to me. Nah, I, I'm, I'm there with you, and, you know, a lot of baseball purists will fight us to the death on this and say that these guys should never get in. Well, that's why they're behind the eight ball to the NBA and the NFL. That, exactly, exactly, dude. I mean, you look at the more popular sports in today's culture now, everybody wants to be like fucking Steph Curry or LeBron James. You know what I'm saying? Does anybody out here want to be like Mike Trout? Haven't heard that once. No, okay, just, just saying. The MLB has a very big problem, and, you know, it definitely does start from the top. And with the news of these two guys not getting into the hall, it's... It's just a shame. It really is. And it makes guys like me who really do love this game and, you know, take it for what it is. It's it's supposed to be about the home run. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's exciting. That's, it's exciting. That's what brings people to watch this game. And, you know, MLB's got something to figure out. And they definitely are behind the eight ball, like you said. But uh, I'll get off on my rant there and uh, intro somebody who's been dying to get on an episode. And it's been a while since we had him on. Uh, his heart's hurting a little bit right now with the retirement of his lifetime quarterback, and that is the one and only Mr. Jordan Durkin. What's up, guys? Glad to finally be back. Yeah, I know you've been dying to get back on this show, Jordan, but um, let's just cut right to the chase. How do you feel about your lifetime quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, retiring? I know when Eli Manning retired, I kind of felt a sense of sadness, but then relief in a way. I'm fucking excited. I want to see what the Steelers' future holds now. Because our organization, we haven't fallen deep into this void of mediocrity after our quarterback leaves. Like, there are some franchises, like, that just are terrible. And they're run horribly. I feel but the Steelers, eh, the Steelers, <laughs> the Steelers well. I feel we haven't. There's no reason for me to believe that we're going to be shitty. When everyone already considered us shitty this year and we made the playoffs. Well, not for nothing... That is what a lot of Giants fans were saying when, you know, Eli Manning decided to hang up the cleats. I think a little bit of a different situation because um, I think the team was just not doing right by Manning altogether, just with team building. Um, In Big Ben's case, I just think he flat out lost his ability to play at the level that we became accustomed to seeing him play at. The Big Ben that I think of was the Big Ben that would, like, launch bombs down the field and find wide open receivers the bend like that's been on the field for the past like couple years now has just been checked down check down ben and running on third down and it, the offense is just so predictable and stale that i just feel like they had to go around ben instead of like actually opening up the playbook well as the lone giants fan that's sitting here right now i feel personally attacked um i would have to agree though the Steelers' offense was kind of anemic with Ben at this point, and that's what we kind of got shades of with Eli at the end of his career. But to Sean's earlier point, the Steelers did a little more to help Ben during his later stages, whereas the Giants just kind of let him fall flat on his face. But honestly, I'm excited for you, man. I think that the Steelers, you know, we know Big Ben. We don't know what's going to happen after Big Ben. He's the only quarterback that you've really ever known, him and Seneca Wallace. But yeah, no, man, it's going to be interesting. The thing that I feel the Steelers need is a mobile quarterback. A mobile quarterback, I feel, would look so good with the Steelers' offense. I mean, shades of Mike Vick 
coming in for a couple of games. You know, the the offense looked really good. I think that was what two thousand and thirteen. Correct me if I'm around wrong. There. Around that time. So I don't know. But is there anybody that you know you're hoping that the Steelers maybe try to trade for, or maybe you guys go the draft route? Who are you looking at? <clears throat> I just feel like we haven't given Dwayne Haskins a fair chance. He's been on our roster for like a year or two now, and we've we're still starting Mason Rudolph. Like, there's, there's got to be a reason why. Gotta, yeah, I was gonna say there's got to be a reason why. No, maybe he, Dwayne Haskins just doesn't have it. He's not mature enough. I mean, those were all I his think, issues in Washington. I personally feel like, well, he's not the star of the team anymore. He was a star when he was in Washington. He doesn't or expected have that. to be. Yeah, he doesn't have that pressure on him now. He's just kind of been sitting back and learning, which is why I understand why we haven't been starting him, but putting it. Mason Rudolph over him? That just seems so wrong. It's a bad look, no? It is. It's a bad look. But I just feel like if we were to start anyone now, it would have to be Dwayne Askins. Like, even if it's just preseason. Just to see how he looks before like we make any big moves. Because I don't think the quarterback class is this good this year. It's not. And I remember Dwayne Haskins getting some pro comp to, ben, to Big Ben earlier in his um career during the draft process and all that kind of stuff. But... He didn't work out in Washington. I don't know if he's going to work out in Pittsburgh. So, good luck to you, my friend, with Mason Rudolph. Give us Duck Hodges again. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that's rough. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Jordan, another reason we had you on uh, this week is to talk about the conference championship games that start tomorrow. Uh, we're kind of getting this episode out a little late. It's Saturday afternoon for those of you who are listening to us. But... The NFC and AFC Championship games are finally here, and none of our teams are playing in it. But we're still going to talk about it because it's incredibly important. And uh, so, yeah, let's let's kick it off, Zach. Which well, game are we going to start with first? Actually, I kind of wanted to backtrack a little bit and go back to last week and figure out how we got to this week of the championship games. Arguably, probably the most exciting week in football history. Saw a lot of good games this past week in the divisional round, Sean and Jordan. Yeah, most definitely. Uh my personal favorite was seeing uh, Sir Tom Brady finally go down, kind of tasting a little bit of his own medicine at the hands of Matt Stafford and the Rams. I thought that game was fucking bananas. Yeah, they gave it to him, and Stafford played near perfect. I mean, he went 28-38, to threw for 366 yards and two touchdown passes. No interception. You can't get any more perfect than that. And, man, that last ball to Cooper Cup to get them into field goal range, that was pretty. But my personal favorite game of the week was that Bills and Chiefs game, man. Oh, fucking A. What? I got a lot of things to say about that game, Zach. What but. a heartbreaker for Josh Allen. Both of those quarterbacks played their tails off. Arguably the best quarterback matchup that we've had. And I'm really looking forward to seeing these two play for the next 10 to 15 years. Josh Allen went absolutely off, going for 329 yards and four touchdown passes. Pat Mahomes was right there with 378 and three. And the unsung hero, Gabriel Davis. Eight catches for 201 yards and four touchdowns shout out to my dynasty team that's got to be some kind of like record no i mean it is i believe he set the playoff record for most touchdowns in a game by a single receiver so shout out to gabriel davis xucf receiver but uh zach i got a lot of issues with the way that game ended you know for as phenomenal of a game as we saw from you know from both quarterbacks and from both teams honestly the nfl has got to do something about its overtime rule okay why because if Josh Allen had just called heads, we're talking about 
the Bills playing in the AFC Championship against the Bengals? Tell me not. I mean, that's unfortunate, but, you know, defense is on the field too. They get paid big bucks to make stops, and I personally feel like both teams are capable of making a stop in that position. The coin toss didn't lose the game. There were plenty of opportunities for the Bills to close that game out, but they decided to do what they did and not squib it and not play press or whatever you have it. But, you know, that Bills defense was ranked number one throughout the year, so there's no reason to me why they couldn't get a stop or at least hold them to a field goal. Listen, I hear what you're saying. I know that, like you said, these guys are paid to go out and make stops, but the rule itself is flawed. And I think the NFL could really benefit from taking a page out of college rules, you know, with each team's getting a chance to at least match a touchdown. Okay, I'm not saying that I just don't like the idea of one team scoring a touchdown, you know, so quickly and then the other team not getting a chance to at least give the other team the opportunity to match the touchdown if the other touchdown is not matched obviously then the game is over but it's just it's heartbreaking as a football fan to sit here and not see josh allen get a chance to bring his team back into the game you know what i'm saying no i got you and i'm sure that bill's defense feels bad too but like i said before football is offense versus defense man versus man you got to make the stop, but I'm glad that you brought up the college overtime rules because I think that would be not as good an option. If you were going to do college overtime rules, I would say maybe back it up to the 50 because a 42-yard field goal is pretty much 100% for 100%. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of misses, but for the most part, you're at least going to be kicking a field goal, and it's going to go on forever. And that's one of the biggest complaints about college football is that the games take too long to finish. My option, I guess, would be to play a full 10-minute or 15-minute quarter, and at the end of that... That's it. That's game. You get another quarter. That's it. Let the clock run out. You get as many opportunities as you can, and that's how the game will end. I like that idea, to be honest with you. What do you think, Jordan? Do you think that's a good idea with, with these teams potentially just being able to play out one last quarter, so essentially a fifth quarter worth of football? So at the end of that quarter, it would be a tie? If it's a tie at that point, sudden death. I think we but can agree on that. then what would the that. sudden death be? Next point. Because, listen, no team is going to eat up a whole 15 minutes. I mean, we've seen teams do it before. Not 15 minutes. Maybe not 15 minutes, but it's not that hard for a team to take up a 10-minute drive. Okay, but in the particular instance of this Chiefs and Bills game, you're telling me that one of those teams would have taken up the entire 15 minutes, kicked the last-second field goal in the game? I think not. They were scoring at will. No, and I think that's part of the problem because let's say they were to go with what you suggested with playing the the fifth quarter, so to speak. Let's say they just matched each other's – touchdowns touchdown for touchdown for touchdown let's say it was two drives each then what what happens come that sixth quarter you want to just keep going until there's a winner no i just said sudden death next point wins next point wins but then that that kind of defeats the whole purpose of having that fifth quarter but if you just figured that each team is going to get two possessions each there's two opportunities to make a stop or hold to a field goal hear me out tug of warlock it's a madden challenge series but it's if you're closer to their end zone, you each get one possession each. If you get closer to their end zone, past the 50, by the end of five overtimes. But it's only one possession each. The person closest wins. Yeah, I think you go play for play, offense and defense, offense and defense. Then at the end of the five plays that you get, whoever's closer to the end zone, whoever scores first wins. Wow. Seems uh, really arcadey. That, yeah, that, that makes my brain hurt. I Memo to the NFL... <laughs> fix fucking overtime, okay? Because we like offense. We want to see these guys go at it, okay? So, this is what we spend hundreds of dollars to go watch your products. So let me ask you something real quick, all right? Just to close out the whole playoff overtime thing. 
if the Chiefs had gone down and kicked a field goal, and then the Bills went down and kicked a field goal, and the Chiefs scored in overtime to win, would you have a problem with that? No. Why? Because the Chiefs could have gotten a stop to end the game, right? I mean, yeah, but at least both teams got the opportunity to get a stop. I'm just saying. I think you got to put some accountability on the defense. I don't think teams go out there and say, oh, well, we lost a toss. Looks like the game's over. I mean, shit. Do you think if the Bills <laughs> got the ball first in that overtime that the Chiefs wouldn't have been able to stop them? No, not at all. I think it literally depended on the coin toss because both offenses were hot. I mean, you guys saw the last two minutes of the game. 25 points were scored. I, I respect Josh Allen a lot more than I did at the beginning of the season. But one of those touchdowns was because he one of the players broke the other receiver and he tripped. So Mike bad. Defender. Rest so in, rest bad. In peace yeah. to Mike Hughes oh my How God. many times does that actually happen in a game? Listen, you give Gabriel Davis all the credit in the world for running a great route. He did. <laughs> what do you want? I mean It was a great route and he broke his ankles. Like he He fell. He's gonna be mean to the rest I, of his Yeah, life after the, that. the chalk outline is still uh still on the field there. That was pretty bad. Um and, and Part of me really wanted to see the Bills win for that, just so that could be the reason why the Chiefs lost. All right, well, since we're getting into reasons why we wanted the Bills to win, Brittany Mahomes, Brittany Matthews, whatever her fucking name is, is the most annoying person on the face of the earth. Her and Jackson Mahomes, they need to go do something. They need to go watch football at home or something because I cannot deal with watching them on the sidelines, Brittany throwing fucking champagne into the crowd, being loud and obnoxious, and then wondering why people hate her. They just got to stop showing her. Like, stop showing these two. They're fucking annoying. I heard annoying. that when she put champagne in the crowd, it was on top of an AA meeting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, uh, wow. That's uh, good going, Brittany Mahomes. Playoff overtime, baby. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, why don't we, you know, pick up where we left off with Sean. Let's get into some of these games. First game, Sunday, 3 o'clock p.m., sees the Bengals visiting the Chiefs. Chiefs are opening up as seven-point home favorites. I'm just going to say it. I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think they have all the momentum from that past game. They put up 40 points in their last two playoff games. The Bengals, I love them. I think they're going to be a great team going forward. I just think Pat Mahomes has hit his stride, and I don't think the Bengals' defense is going to have an answer. Zach, I'm sorry you feel that way because I got two words for you, man. Joe Shiesty. Come on, man. Joe Burrow has been nothing but ice cold in these playoffs so far. You know, he hasn't put up the gaudy numbers, but... He threw for 350 yards last week. Yeah, I mean, nothing to sneeze at, for sure. But honestly, you want to talk about that experience? I think they gained a ton of experience in that last matchup they had with the Chiefs. Uh, I believe it was week 17, if I'm not mistaken. Bengals were actually down in that in that game. I believe it was 21-7, to and they battled back. And boy, did Joe Burrow go off. He threw for 446 yards. Him and Jamar Chase were absolutely electric. Jamar had like... 11 catches for 266 yards. And three touchdowns, I believe, correct? Exactly. So that connection is still there. And whatever magic that this Bengals team has right now, I'm all for it. I'm with it. I believe in Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and I think they're going to give the Chiefs a run for their money. I hear you, man, but it's playoffs, Arrowhead... I think experience plays a huge role here. And you could say one thing or another, you know, Joe Burrow got his ass kicked last week. Nine sacks against a good Titans defense. And they still won. Yeah, but it's not Arrowhead. It's not Pat Mahomes in the AFC Championship game. I feel like this is a different level. And if Joe Burrow really wants to cement himself as one of the best in the league right now, on the eve of Tom Brady's pseudo-retirement, he goes out, beats Patrick Mahomes, but I just don't see it happening this early in his career. I don't want any of these teams to win. Pittsburgh fans, 
I cringe when I see the Bengals or Ravens or Browns make it in the playoffs and do better than us for that matter. We're, we're the big brother of the seat of the conference. I don't, so, I don't know. I think Joe Burrow would like to have a word now. I mean, with he, who? We he, have no one anymore. <laughs> he came out and kind of guaranteed that they would at least get to this point earlier in the season. Time's and changing. everybody thought he was fucking crazy for it. Um, apparently not so crazy because they're sitting at the foot of the ASA championship game. You know, we got to give some credit where credit is due. But you know what? This isn't the same grimy Bengals team that was going against my Steelers a couple years ago. So I, I like Joe Cool. I, I, but I think the Chiefs are going to win it. I think Patrick Mahomes is just going to run them over. But if the Bengals win, I'm smoking a cigar with everyone. That's fair to say. I'm going to get myself some pink sunglasses and rock them <laughs> around the house with a cigar in my mouth. But unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Instead, I'll just have to settle for light brown hair and a perm. And that'll take us into our next game, the last game before the Super Bowl. 6.30 p.m., 49ers visiting the L.A. Rams at SoFi Stadium. Rams are three-and-a-half-point home favorites to open up. I like me some Odell, Matt Stafford, and Cooper Cup, man. Listen, don't get me wrong. The Niners, they fought valiantly. They beat the Cowboys. God bless them. Fuck you. They beat the Packers in an ugly game last week. Aaron Rodgers would like a word. I don't think they're going to be able to take the Rams. And and here's why. The Rams have arguably just as good a defense as the 49ers do with more firepower on offense. Now, don't get me wrong. 49ers have won the last six matchups, but three in a season... You're going to beat them three times in a season? I don't think so. This is a different animal. Matt Stafford's never been here before, so you can kind of say, oh, yeah, there's pressure, inexperience. But at the end of the day, I just think that the Rams team is better, and I think this is where the 49ers magic wears off. All right. You make a lot of very interesting points. Uh, You know, the last time a team was beaten three times in a season, uh, that third time being in a championship game to make it to the Super Bowl actually was the Tennessee Titans. They were able to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars in, I believe, the 1999 season three times. Jacksonville, believe it or not, was actually the number one seed at the time. And uh, Tennessee fucked around and whooped their ass on their way to the Super Bowl. But, you know, in the case for the Rams, you make a lot of good points, bro. Uh, And I think the biggest factor in this game is going to be, you know, at the quarterback position. And I think that's where we're going to see the balance of this game shift. Which quarterback is going to be able to play mistake-free football? And if we're looking at the body of work from these two quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford has been flat-out flawless. uh, Throwing for pretty much 600 yards in these last two games, four touchdowns, and not a single interception, fumble, nothing like that. So, you know, based off what's been going on in the playoffs, I'm going to have to lean with the Rams. Honestly, I, I'm going with the Rams, too. They're just, all statistics aside, they're just the more likable team. Like I love the personality of the Rams. I don't think there's anyone who hates the Rams, except for, you know, people in the same conference. But, like, even then, like, Matt Stafford has Cooper Cup and OBJ. That's like a three-headed monster right there with counting Matt Stafford. And not even acknowledging the fact that they have Sean McVay as the head coach to, you know, put all these guys together, you know what I mean? So... And- it's not going to be anything like Green Bay Niners where it was just like defense was dominating the whole time. It's going to be like you have Von Miller and Aaron Donald on that team too. Now listen, the, the 49ers, I got to give them their credit. They played a phenomenal game against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers last week. You know, like you said, defensive struggle there. But 
to our point, they're not going up against this offense. This offense has been incredibly explosive all playoffs. And, you know, Matthew Stafford's playing at an MVP-type level. And I think Sean McVay is going to finally break, get the monkey off his back here, finally beat uh, one of his best friends in uh, Kyle Shanahan. One of the big things that I know people are probably wondering is the Niners shut down Aaron Rodgers in that potent offense. The second it started snowing, that game plan was out the window. Niners didn't score an offensive touchdown, and they were saved by the grace of God with a blocked punt four minutes left in the fourth quarter. So realistically, probably shouldn't even be here. But I love this for Matt Stafford. After living in the hole that was Detroit for as long as he did to start off his career, put him on a good team, and he's really proving to everybody that he is the quarterback we all thought he was, or at least I thought he was at the beginning of the season. So I think we're all in agreement that the Los Angeles Rams are going to be representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say so. So my picks would be Chiefs-Rams. I'm going to reserve all Super Bowl picks until next week for when we actually have the official matchup. Uh, yeah, because uh, I personally have the Bengals representing the AFC and the Rams representing the NFC. So I hope I hope Joe Shiesty pulls through. I, I think he'll be able to. Um, as far as the Rams are concerned, I think they're going to be able to handle the uh, the 49ers pretty easily, man. You know Jimmy G is going to be giving away the football. So if that Rams offense can turn those turnovers into touchdowns and not field goals, I think they'll be fine. And we'll be seeing them uh, as the second team to host a home Super Bowl, Zach. In as many years. Exactly. So that would be really exciting to see and something I think everybody in the NFL would uh, love to be a part of. So definitely going to be an exciting Sunday of football. So that's actually going to close out this episode of the Heated Rivals podcast. Want to thank Jordan Durkin for coming on and giving some of his insight into what's going on with Steeler Nation. Always fun to have you on, buddy. Always a pleasure to be here, friends. Yes, we'll definitely try to get you on at some point in the offseason when the Steelers eventually make Mason Rudolph the starting quarterback for the 2022 NFL season. Don't fuck around like that. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Heat Rivals podcast. Always remember to follow us on Instagram at Pod 15 Give us a follow on Twitter at Rivals 15 and look out for our TikTok at Rivals, where we will be posting the video. Okay? I'll Sean's be- date is coming up very soon, ladies and gents. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We're putting some things together, making some phone calls. Got to make sure I take Patricia out on the nicest date possible. So be on the lookout for that. It's coming out very soon. Uh, But with all that being said, I'm Sean Robinson. I'm Zach Durkin. And this has been the Heated Rivals Podcast. Take care, everybody. Peace.